0: Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. From London, I'm Andrew Sheets, Chief Cross-Asset Strategist for Morgan Stanley.
1: And I'm Ellen Zentner, Chief U.S. Economist sitting in New York. And on this special edition of the podcast, we'll be talking about the impact of the coronavirus and escalating oil market tensions on the global economy and markets. It's Tuesday, March 10th at noon Eastern Time. As we're recording this, extreme market volatility is continuing. Yesterday, global markets reacted strongly to an expanding coronavirus outbreak and tensions among oil exporters. Andrew, I think maybe we should start with the catalyst first, and then we can talk about what it could mean for the U.S. economy and markets elsewhere, and what tools the Fed and other central banks have, as well as the fiscal tools governments could apply.
0: I think correctly, as you mentioned, there were really two factors that contributed to the acute market reaction we had yesterday. The first was we had travel restrictions implemented in the north of Italy, which have since been expanded throughout the country that I I think have really thrown into stark relief how serious uh, this issue is and I think is also kind of brought into uh, more focus the fact that this is going to be a a long-running issue in both Europe and the U.S. over the next several weeks and even even months that the market's going to need to deal with. The second issue, which is a little bit related to the coronavirus but also separate, was We've had a really sharp weakness in oil prices over the last month. That's driven a really big change in strategy from Saudi Arabia, which had been restricting its production, but has um, over the weekend announced it was going to increase that production quite dramatically. And that drove uh, a really historic drop in oil prices, the largest one-day drop in oil prices since 1991. So you had an increased focus on the coronavirus, uh, this this increased shock to markets from this, this very big drop in oil, and that's all over overlapping with a problem that's been with us for some time, I think, as as we've all on the Morgan Stanley's team discussed, that the global economy was was kind of weak um, coming into this year. I think markets were quite hopeful that the non-U.S. economy, the global economy could kind of pick up the slack, and everything that's been going on has actually been pushing it in the other direction.
1: So we've seen the big impact in in equities um, and credit markets, um, and both were impacted further, whether you're looking at coronavirus or the drop in oil prices, both of those were impacted. I mean, from a high yield perspective, how much further pressure does the drop in oil put on that market and what kind of bleed over would we see to other credit markets?
0: I do think that was something that was pretty interesting about what happened yesterday is that up until uh, yesterday credit markets had actually been holding in very well, surprisingly well, given the volatility we'd seen on the stock market. And I think what changed in part maybe was a little bit of catching up, but also that the credit markets are kind of unusually exposed to the energy sector, to oil producers. And so I think, you know, yesterday and, and also on Friday, we really saw that starting to, to come through. And and I guess that's where um, maybe, Alan, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. I think what markets have also been been really focused on is how much of a policy response will we get? And, and maybe the most remarkable thing about last week was we had this, this surprise announcement from the Fed, this intermeeting 50 basis point cut, it's only happened a handful of times. I mean, what do you think the Fed was intending with that? And and what do you think the Fed's thinking now?
1: Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, I think certainly the Fed was not intending for the markets to yawn like they were bored with a 50 basis point intermeeting cut. It's a challenging time for the Fed, um, because there's not a lot it can do to battle the spread of a virus. Now, does that mean that if policy cuts are ineffective that you don't do them? No. I mean, the Fed is the steward for financial markets. You have to provide support and confidence that you're going to be there. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that there wasn't a very big market reaction to that. And the market just turned around and wanted even more from the Fed. But the Fed is really the only game in town right now while we wait for policymakers on the fiscal side to provide uh, some sort of meaningful response. Until that comes, the Fed is left as the only game in town to provide rate cuts.
0: Again, another question that is on people's minds is, will we see anything from the fiscal side? Will we see more government spending? And you know, how much fiscal easing is in the numbers from here through year end?
1: Yeah. So I think that we can easily conclude that a fiscal response will be forthcoming. We just don't know exactly when. So let me talk about the main one that's in focus that would probably be the most stimulative from my point of view. So a payroll tax cut, we have experience with this. And what that does is give households more disposable income, uh, more take-home pay immediately. But something that I want to talk about here, which kind of ties back to some of the work we've done about today's drop in oil prices, is that the boost to income, disposable income, whether it's from a payroll tax cut or from a drop in uh, gasoline prices, more of that is likely to be saved today than otherwise, because with the backdrop of coronavirus, we're not going to be so apt to be happy with that savings and go out to eat at restaurants and go out to that sporting event and go out to the movies. There is a greater chance that we save more of it today. But that's okay, because we are looking to, in our global forecast and in our U.S. forecast, that we'll see the peak infection rates of the virus around mid-April, uh, that activity will start to return to normal, and you'll have a good deal of of built-up disposable income that households can then deploy at that time. So think of it as, we may not be getting the full bang for your buck today, but we do bank that today in order to deploy it later.
0: So Ellen, I think that's a really great point on timing, because, you know, I think it's important to to take a step back and you know, realize we've been living, I think, in a market for several years now where, um, you know, I think the market regards central banks and, and governments as these almost kind of all-powerful beings that if only they want to can always kind of push markets and bend markets to their will. So I think it's, you know, it's it's very important for people to keep in mind as as they think about our economic scenarios, you know, even with Fed easing, even with the potential, even with maybe the bull case that you get a payroll tax cut, that you get um, Congress and the president to come together on that, you could still have a growth rebound that's, that's delayed, that these things aren't instantaneous, uh, they're not all powerful.
1: So I I think that that uh, I can guess what the answer to this question will be. And maybe it's a selfish question on my point, but I have gotten it a lot from clients uh, lately. With the big market sell offs that we've seen in equities, is this the time to get back in?
0: So we're arguing for patience. It's always tempting to jump back into a market after a large decline, and valuations are a lot better than they were two weeks or or three weeks ago. There's no question about that. But I still think that we're grappling with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of key questions that I still don't think we have a full answer to. Um, It's still not clear what the full economic impact of the virus is. I think that we were dealing with a market that was unusually expensive prior to this sell-off. So even though evaluation have improved. They're, they're not as cheap as we were at, at prior market bottoms. So I, I think those are all reasons to not just run back in. They're all reasons to take what's happening quite seriously. Um, ultimately, we do think it will represent a good buying opportunity. But as you and the economics team acknowledge, there's still a lot of uncertainty. There's still a lot we need to get through first. Ellen, great to chat with you. And thanks for sharing your thoughts, especially on a volatile day.
1: Sure, Andrew. Always good to talk with you.